Are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space? Have you heard of MLFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 23rd through the 25th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from over 60 plus high level apartment investors and also to network with over 700 investors. If that's not enough for you, Shaq, yes, Shaquille O'Neal, Barbara Cochran, and Jocko Willink will be live and in-person speaking at this event. Be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event as the tickets are going fast. You can even upgrade your ticket to the VIP to have the opportunity to rub shoulders with these high-level speakers, including myself, after their session. Jocko Willink will also be attending the VIP party on Friday night at the event. So go to mfincon.com to find out more details. There's also sponsorship opportunities available too. For details for this event and to purchase tickets, visit mfincon.com. Use promo code LIFEBRIDGE to get $200 off your tickets. That's mfincon.com. I guess from the LP side, what you should look for from your general partners is determine who is handling the insurance. And uh, if you're able to get what they're going to bind prior to the closing of the property, if you're able to get the quote, do an analysis, understand what the square footage is of the property and make sure that they're insuring it to value. Really dive into the exclusions and uh, ask some questions about it. As a passive investor, do you know what questions you should be asking the general partnership or the operator, the sponsor, all those terms, right? The the guy that's leading the deal, the debt team, do you know what questions to ask them about the type of insurance that they have? I bet that you are trying to mitigate your risk as much as possible when you're handing that operator or wiring it, you know, 50 to 100,000, 250,000, whatever it may be, your hard earned money, you want to mitigate that risk as much as possible. And one way you're going to do that is ensuring that the operator has the proper insurance, right? But man, some of those things about insurance can seem so complicated, right? Oh, our guest today is going to help you, passive investor, to understand what questions you should be asking your operator or their team to ensure that they have proper insurance and protect protecting your investment. Our guest is Brian Mitchell. He's been involved in real estate investing for about four years. He started with five units in in 2018. Uh, He handled the property management for a couple of years and since purchased more multifamily assets personally. He's traveling to masterminds and real estate conferences. He is an insurance advisor. I mean, he, he knows insurance very well. Uh, and so he's going to help you today to be better prepared as a passive investor to ensure that this team that you trust has a proper insurance. Brian, welcome to the show. You have an expertise that we all need on our team, to say the least. It's so important, whether you're on the active side or the passive side, you need to be knowledgeable about this part of the business. Brian, welcome to the show. Get us started a little bit about your expertise in the insurance field, kind of what you are doing. And then I want us to help advise you know some active investors, but also the passive investors, how they should look at this part of the business when they are looking at a deal, but also as a passive, when they're talking to you know the general partnership or the operator as well, questions they should be asking. But so who are you? Give us a little more detail. Yeah, Wendy. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here and talk to you and uh, hopefully provide some value 
value to your audience. I'm Brian Mitchell. I'm an insurance broker up in Maine. We're licensed in all all the states and we write uh, coverages for some real estate syndicators and investors uh, all throughout the country. I'm uh, an active investor on a, a small portfolio up here, as well as a limited partner on two deals, one in Georgia and one in Alabama. So I'm, I'm hitting my 12th year in the insurance business. It's uh, Insurance can be a topic that uh, would, would bore a lot of people, but I think if you can hang with us, you'll get some good tidbits. I come from the investor's side, which I think is important because I can really see what the risks are sitting in my seat right now, owning and managing my own portfolio, as well as being a an investor, um, you know, as a limited partner. And I guess from the LP side, what you should look for from your general partners is determine who is handling the insurance. And uh, if you're able to get what they're going to bind prior to the closing of the property, if you're able to get the quote, do an analysis understand what the square footage is of the property and make sure that they're insuring it to value. Really dive into the exclusions and uh, ask some questions about it because you're a limited partner and you deserve to know what exclusions exist in the event there is a loss. Because if there's a loss, it's probably going to come back to your return or lack thereof you know, to help cover those costs. So understand what they're about to put in place. Make sure the values are insured properly because we're looking at a market right now that is very interesting. We're in inflationary period and we have been for some time. So the cost to reconstruct these days are a lot higher than what it was two years ago. Cost of materials, COVID-related disruptions, labor shortages, fuel increases, all that is pushing up the cost to rebuild. So at the very minimum, make sure that the properties are being insured to full replacement cost value. Look at the exclusions and talk to your independent agent if you have any questions about how to interpret said exclusions. Incredible. Well, uh, we could about just stop right there. So I was just trying to get as many notes as I can. I was thinking, you know, as an LP, uh, you know, I've invested, you know, possibly in obviously a majority of almost all of our deals and then, or all of them, I think, and then other operators as well. Asking for the insurance, I don't typically, probably enough detail around what kind of insurance they have on a project, you know, when I am investing passively. And I mean, we deal that with that as an operator myself. And so I do understand some of that, but I've not asked for that every time, uh, but I should. But I was thinking about, okay, determine who's handling the insurance, get the insurance quote, hopefully before closing, uh, and then and, uh, make sure they're insuring to value, right? And, and what exclusions exist, make sure values are insured properly and you said to full replacement value. I, but something that I even heard recently as well, it's like even for like your, your home insurance and, and those things, as much as values have gone up, uh, not so much the value of the property, but like what you said there, like the replacement value. Well, to build your home is going to cost a lot more today than it did two years ago, much less 10 years ago, maybe when your home was built or 20 years ago. Uh, And so, you know, it's like calling your insurance company and like talking that through a little bit, right? Okay, we may have had replacement costs three years ago, but that's not replacement costs today. That's true. Speak to the passive investor, the LP, that's thinking, well, I don't, I may get that quote, but I don't really know what I'm looking at. You know, especially when we, when we think about the uh, exclusions that exist or the replacement value. You, well, how do I know those things to look for? Or maybe good questions to ask around those two things. Just understanding a little bit about the property that you're about to invest in. You know, go to the town assessor page and pull up what the square footages are of the of the buildings you're about to invest in, and then you know, take a look at the insurance amount baked into the uh, declaration section of the policy or the or the soon to be policy. So it would be the quote, and just try to find out what your cost per square foot is. And depending on the market, you know, in the southeast, we're looking at about you know one thirty five to one hundred fifty dollars a square. 
foot. Up here in Maine, you can rebuild very little for under $200 a square foot. So depending on your market, engage with a, a broker that has experience in, you know, writing in multiple states. Uh, if you have questions, um, you know, certainly as we all know, the benefit of being a limited partner is that it is hands-off, but it can be as hands-off as you want. I just think that you would be doing yourself a, a good service by just taking a look at what they're about to put in place and because it obviously needs to protect you as the investor as well. And also I'm a, uh, a value-add investor as are quite a few people probably listening right now. And depending on the value-add project, if it's a you know high vacancy situation or heavy lift where you know days after closing, there'll be a full construction team, you know, renovating units, uh, maybe uh, kicking out some bad tenants and renovating those units. That will typically be a an asset that's better suited for surplus lines carriers or ENS markets. So those carriers are fantastic carriers to use in the event that you cannot get a standard company to write the uh, insurance for the project, uh, at least the day of closing. And Typically, what I'm seeing some investors do is they're utilizing these ENS carriers to get coverage the onset, but not looking at a standard market once the project is complete and the asset is put to its intended use and you're you're fully occupied. So the benefit of going to a standard market is the pricing is going to be a lot better than the non-standard world. Uh, there are going to be far less exclusions, and then there'll be some billing incentives uh, where you can take advantage of a direct bill with, with the standard carrier versus a non-standard or ENS market, you got to write a checkout. One checkout, it's an annual pay or premium finance it, uh, which carries a pretty high interest rate. So uh, value-add investors, my suggestion would be to get that project completed. And once you do that, look to other carriers because there could be some savings there and most certainly a better product for you. Yeah, no, it's awesome. You know, Brian, what you see happening in the market moving forward, anything that maybe the active operator or even the LP should be thinking about. I know we've talked about a little bit of that, but anything else as far as what any predictions that you have moving forward or anything we should be prepared for on the insurance front? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, prepare for more increases. We're in this hard market that we've been in since Q4 2019, catastrophic losses nationally and internationally have really pushed uh, rates up for just about every carrier in every line of business. The cost to rebuild uh, is manually pushing rates up because carriers are doing their own in-house replacement cost estimates. So they're no longer relying on old data that was in place when a policy was bound, say in 2017 or 2014. You know, your inflation guard is going to bump up your property coverage two, four, six, eight percent a year, depending on what's in the policy uh, and what, what the declaration page spells out for an inflation guard limit. So this hard market, no signs of slowing down. I think once things start getting under control from a, a loss perspective in this inflationary environment, sort of dies down a little bit. Maybe we can see some uh, potentially flatter or uh, or lower rates coming to us, but we're coming off a soft market, at least since I've been in the business in 2010 up to 2019 when it turned to a hard market. So no predictions yet as to when things are going to change again, but I, I know we'll all be looking forward to that. No doubt about it. Uh, and so, no, appreciate that because everybody's want to know like what's coming, right? Or or how do we prepare for what's coming? All those things. Before we move on, uh, is there anything else as you're even investing passively that you're asking an operator about the insurance that maybe we haven't talked about already? Yeah, I mean, business interruption coverage is a big one. And uh, I see a couple policies here and there that come across my desk that I'm competing on that don't have the 
correct business interruption limit, or maybe they don't have it at all. So in the event of, say, a, a fire loss to your asset, tenants are going to be displaced because they can no longer live there. During this period of restoration, so typically 72 hours after the loss, that's your deductible in business interruption, by the way. It's not a monetary deductible like it is in standard property coverages. It's an hourly deductible. In 72 hours is a common deductible. So three days after the loss, coverage will begin where tenants are displaced. You are no longer receiving the rental income that you otherwise would have received had no loss occurred. That coverage will stay in place up to the policy limit or at the point the period of restoration is over with and the building is tenanted again, whichever comes first. So making sure you have proper business interruption limits are huge for the general partners and limited partners. How would we know what that limit should be? You would take a look at your gross rents and then you would back out costs that you wouldn't be continuing after a loss, like cleaning expenses, maybe certain landscaping expenses if uh, if those are discontinuing. So you back out those types of um, costs that would otherwise be there had no loss occurred. Um, and that will get you a pretty good business interruption limit. It's good to know. I was just thinking about, you know, as a, as a passive investor, knowing a few of these things to ask about. And I think it's going to show you a lot about your operator. And I, I would also tell the LP that not everyone on the team that you might talk to is going to going to be this knowledgeable about insurance, right? There's going to be somebody on the team that's in charge of making sure all these things are done properly. But, you know, like even on our team, we have somebody that handles the insurance relationships, right? We have somebody that knows that that part of the business in depth and is ensuring these things are done properly. So, so they may talk to the investor relations person and that person may not know all of these things about every one of our deals about the insurance specifically, you know, but we'll be able to get you that information, uh, of course. So I wanted to just kind of flesh that out even more as far as passive investing and, and but even for the operator, uh, anything else that, that they should be looking at right now as, as they're looking at deals or maybe specific markets or, you know, you said prepare for more increases, no doubt about it. Yeah, maybe you can even help us there to think about, you know, what should we be preparing for? Or even two years from now, or, you know, as we're, as we're scaling out our underwriting, you know, to three to five years or even more, how do we plan for more increases, you know, to expect those and to be as accurate as possible? A couple of years ago, I think we could put $500 a door for insurance or $400 a door. And no matter what market you were in, I mean, as, as long as it wasn't you know, right on the coast. It was a pretty good, you know, number to use. But nowadays, wow, I mean, there are, you know, $800 a door class A brand new construction uh, deals that are, um, you know, being bound right now in Dallas, Texas and other large markets that are, you know, certainly well protected from a, with fire departments and fire hydrants and sprinkler systems and all of that. So it, always figure a larger cost per door amount on your insurance, at least initially while you're doing the napkin underwriting. And engage with an insurance professional that has the markets. Some of the smaller agencies uh, may be really, really good to work with on your local hometown assets where they have local mutuals that some of the larger agencies just don't have access to. But if you're investing outside of your market, specifically in different states, I would have an insurance professional on your side who has access to those markets, who is licensed in all the states, that will suit you and your team very well. You could certainly use your guy on local stuff and maybe pick his or her own brain on, you know, a deal that you got going on a few states over to see if they can help. But you know, make sure you're you're always utilizing somebody with some capacity and uh, experience in writing large property risks. All right, Brian, that's very helpful. Yeah, you just helped the active investor and the passive investor in many ways today. Uh, a few final questions. Uh, what are some of the most important metrics that 
that you track? Uh, cost per door is big um, because when I get a call from uh, an investor who I've worked with a number of times in their underwriting a deal, often the largest line item is going to be what is the insurance cost? And a lot of investors break it down by cost per door. So developing cost per doors in all the markets that we write in and maybe markets that we're, we're not writing in, but my investors are looking at uh, is huge. I'm usually able to get a cost per door estimate off to my investors same day. And then obviously we'll have to underwrite it. But uh, there are a lot of variables when it comes to underwriting. You know, We got to look at what the wiring situation is. If this was pre-1975, there's a lot of concern the carriers have related to aluminum wiring. We just bounded deal in January in Mobile, deal I actually invested in as well. It was 34 units with a $55,000 insurance price tag because of the wiring. The wiring got remediated and uh, we were able to to cut the insurance in half by going to a different market. So try to get your insurance agent, you know, a, a, a real sort of high level as to as to what you know of the property. And uh, they should be able to get you a good cost per door estimate, at least from the start. But as we all know, it has to be underwritten. We got to look under the hood and, and see what's there. Of course. What are some daily habits that you are disciplined about that have produced the highest return? Exercise. Um, and that's something that I've taken more seriously as I get to my mid to late 30s. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing. Uh, intermittent fasting, something I started sort of part-time a couple of years ago, which you can't really do a part-time. So right now, you know, I'm taking it more seriously. Uh, you know, stop eating around six o'clock at night, begin eating again at 1130 noon the next day. The mental clarity is wonderful. The ability to get out of the house and not have to worry about eating anything is huge. You just get the kids ready and then you're off to school. Reading more and allocating more time to podcasts and meeting people and uh, just becoming comfortable by being uncomfortable. Getting in front of people, talking in front of people, all the things that most of us really don't like to do, especially if you're rated as a slight introvert, get out of your shell and just do it. It's not that hard. There's a lot of value to, to be had. That's incredible. I could relate to almost all those things you just said. Uh, the exercise and the intermittent fasting, we've experienced a lot of good things from both of those things, but fasting is more of a newer thing for me personally, but it's been good. What about the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Number one thing, you know, I think is consistency. I have this fear of just being average and just, you know, being locked into what we're all programmed to be locked into, which is get out of high school, go to college, you know, work to your 70, save, rely on the market. You know, I like side hustles. I, I enjoy it, get a lot from it. The investing side of thing is not easy. I had to put fire doors in a, in a four unit that cost $8,000. And now we just put $10,000 in fire escape balconies on a building that was built in 1890. And there's never been a history of fire. And, and I'm thinking if the insurance company doesn't require this and they're paying millions of dollars or they have millions of dollars in coverage on this building, why is the fire department requiring it? You know, so it's, it's trying to break the mold and uh, not be average and not allow stuff like that uh, to keep you from growing. And I think that's important because it, people, a lot of people can be dissuaded by doing more than they sort of quote unquote have to, uh, to be successful because of the red tape, because of the village review board meetings and all the things that you have to do. And you know, the, taking on the risks and maybe the risks of being sued for not doing something properly or there. I think you got to push all that aside, develop a really good risk management program with your insurance agent. Just enjoy the hustle and enjoy the journey. 
How do you like to give back? It's important for us to give back through our time. Our kids' school has a lot of initiatives in, in helping the community and donations and stuff like that. So we we like to uh, you know partake and uh, do as much as we possibly can through the church, as well as uh, some monetary donations, as you know, as much as we possibly can. So sort of relying on you know what their calendar of giving is uh, in a particular month. Uh, we we definitely like to jump on to as much as we possibly can and help the community. Awesome. Brian, I'm grateful to have had you on the show and really to dive into some of the details around even what passive investors should be be asking operators uh, about insurance. I think that's very helpful as you are moving forward. You're committing, uh, you know, your hard-earned money, you know, to this operator, trusting their expertise. And insurance is such a big part uh, of the deal and just minimizing a risk, right? Uh, And so it's so important. And so I think you you provided some great value, especially for the passive investors around that front. And so uh, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about you? Yeah, I mean, feel free to shoot me an email, Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Mitchell at crossagency.com. That's C-R-O-S-S agency.com. You know, happy to help, happy to talk real estate, happy to talk insurance. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well, you know, on, on Facebook, Instagram, I'm trying to get a little bit more comfortable with. I haven't gotten there yet. So uh, look me up. Let's chat. Um, I'm involved in a, you know, a few meetup groups and uh, perhaps uh, you know some of the meetup groups that you guys are a part of, I'm already in. You know, going to be in the Jake and Gino conference in November, doing a couple other conferences before then. So yeah, out and about for sure. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to the lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day.